0: Okay class, today we're gonna start with the basics.
1: Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I'm Pastor Eric. And with me in my office, freshly feng shuied office, is Pastor Ben and our youth director, Tim Thompson. And this is the first time the three of us have been together in like three weeks. So welcome, guys. I'm glad you're in my office.
2: Last time it worked out really well for us, so
1: (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen this time. time, Last time we recorded, Tim, you were already in quarantine. I I had already given you.
0: Yes, the Rona. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad we're acknowledging that now <laughs> that you were patient zero. I was just the first yes. one to actually get tested, to get tested and test positive. So I know
1: I, Sarah, I, I did the math and it, it's crazy because I tested after you. Uh, I mean, almost five or six days after you, but I was out of quarantine before, mm-hmm. before you were out of yep. quarantine. Just because I'm the one, I was patient zero. So in case uh, it's not obvious enough, we are back together after all being quarantined because of COVID. And I exposed everybody in our office to COVID, it seems. And so I had it, Tim had it. Uh, Pastor Ben? I had a cold. So (laughs) uh, a very poorly timed cold. Um, It it looked like everything I had, they thought I
2: had it. So I actually had to test twice. Mm -hmm. And it was negative both times. So my guess is, because I've been in close proximity with both these COVID spreaders, uh I don't know. Apparently I can't get it or I already had it already. Yeah. So
0: hmm.
2: we won't know. I'm not willing to pay the two hundred and seventy five dollars for the antibody test mm-hmm. to verify.
0: Or you just give blood and they, they give oh, you Oh, they antibodies. can tell. Yeah. Very yeah, funny,
1: Tim. They we just had this conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I brought that up. That's <laughs> uh
1: yeah, but we are um now we're back together. So you will probably you might be hearing some coughs, some sniffles. Uh uh, Pastor Ben is still getting over a little bit of a chest cold, and I still have a residual, a little residual cough in my chest. Um,
2: and Tim is very emotional, so there's normally yeah, some so he's sniffling. Sniffling anyway,
1: so. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, so we're back together, and we are here for another episode of Candid Conversations, where we are taking uh, questions that you guys have asked that and are adjacent to our sermon series right now, More Conversations with Jesus. Um, and this that sermon series actually ended this week. So we're going to do Candid Conversations this week, um, connected to the sermon series that we just did on Sunday, uh, the sermon that we just did on Sunday, but we will have one more episode of Candid Conversations that is going to be connected to our uh, new sermon series that we're heading into in November called I Promise, which is uh, about uh, politics and scripture, politics and the Christian politics in the church. So we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that, aren't we, Pastor Ben?
2: Yeah, we're getting into, as I was thinking about November, the the reality is probably in our church, and most churches that are similar to ours, we're going to have about 50% of people who have won and 50% of people who have lost the day after election day. So we'll have people who will be celebrating. We'll have people who will be upset. And uh, everyone's voting for who they're voting for predicated on the promises made by these people, how they're going to make their lives better. Now, If we just step back a second, this is what we know, is that those promises, unfortunately, rarely actually get followed through on. Mm -hmm. So we vote for the promises, and then we don't actually see the results. And so what we're going to talk about for the month of November is the promises of God. So it's going to be kind of an uplifting time about uh, the king on the throne, his promises, the promises we can trust in, the promises that we know will actually get brought into our lives and how that those promises actually will uplift us and offer us something. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look through God's promises and how those play out in our lives. And so it should be a much more uplifting conversation Mm -hmm. than any of the debates um, and any of the November 3rd results that we get, no matter whether we won or lost. So be looking forward to that. That's that's going to be exciting as we can hold on to something, maybe for the first time in Pretty much the beginning of 2020 that oh, is man. secure, mm-hmm. and we know these promises will come true no matter what life throws at us. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's going to be coming up this weekend is the first the first sermon in that series. So uh, be on the lookout for that. So next week will be our last episode of Candid Conversations where we'll um, uh, kind of expand on politics a little bit. For that, I just wanted to kind of you know go over a little bit with this podcast series because I think that. Um, politics and the church is a is a really hot topic right now, and it's something that people are really wrestling with. And so, I wanted to have give us some time, expanded time, to kind of talk in this setting about politics and the church. So, next week will be our last episode of the Candid Conversations. Um, we'll we'll be talking about um, politics a little bit, I'm not getting into the weeds of like, because uh, none of us buy into the whole Christian should vote this way, do this, do that. Um, so we're going to talk more generally about how we approach politics and those types of things. And the, by that time, we'll have the election results. So there might be a little bit of a reaction to um, what happened in election night and all that business. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. So look forward to that. But today we are talking uh, about, um, again, and this is interesting and what I want to get your guys' opinion on this, but we're talking a little bit more about salvation, how we're saved. And the question is formed this way, if our sins are forgiven and forgotten, then what will I be judged on? And the reason that we're looking at this today is because on Sunday Pastor Ben preached a sermon um, on the question of if I if I don't go to church, can I still go to heaven or something like that. How is it phrased Pastor Ben?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was that was the gist. It was asked multiple times in a variety of ways. And it was things like, if I go to church, um, if I don't go to church, will I not get to heaven? Or if I don't go to church, will I go to hell? I mean, people asked it a variety of different ways, but all of it was connected to this idea of church, which I think was just accelerated by the reality that, mm. that we weren't able to meet because of the stay-at-home order. Right now, some people don't feel safe in meeting, and so... All, man, the last five or six questions we had for our, our series were all based on salvation. Yeah. And I think that just is stemming to the idea that people were have been scared. They're looking at their mm-hmm. their mortality, and they're wondering about the next life. And they want to make sure they don't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we had that mm-hmm. conversation about, is church the way to be saved, essentially, is what we were asking. And, of course, the answer is no. Uh, church is a tool for us. It's a gift from us gift not from us to us from God for our benefit, it's the gathering of the believers. So we are saved by grace alone. We've said this the last five weeks, maybe a thousand times, because it's always the core truth: is we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, uh, not on account of church alone. With an asterisk, right? That's that's just a tool. And so we gather as believers, and we receive the benefits, and so we're we're connected to Christ. Through church. We're reconnected to Christ through church. And those are very, very important things because here's the warning in the scripture that we didn't actually get to on Sunday, but it was read. It just wasn't really uh, fleshed out is that if we disconnect ourselves from the church gathering for too long, we put ourselves in a dangerous space, a dangerous space to walk away and disconnect from Jesus Christ. And if we disconnect from Jesus Christ, we disconnect from his grace. We disconnect from our faith. And uh, then we are in scary territory Mm -hmm. because then we are not in relationship with God. And if we are not in a relationship with God, we're going to not be in a relationship with God for all of eternity. We call that place hell, the place of imperfection, the place of torment, because to be apart from God is truly the torment. So the church service is for our benefit It's not to earn God's grace, it's to receive God's grace. And so we go there, we're loved by each other, we're loved by God, and we stay connected or we get reconnected or connected for the first time with Jesus Christ and begin or cultivate that relationship. And so that's why going to church is such an important part because it grows our faith, it keeps us firmly rooted, and it's a beautiful benefit that God gives us, the gathering of like-minded people who, who love Jesus as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, as, as you were getting, as you were preparing for that sermon and it was kind of on everybody's minds, you know, cause we're all, uh, the way that the, that our staff works here, um, at the, at the church is pastor Ben sends us an email. Usually it's Sunday or Monday. First, first thing of the week with the information for that weekend, including uh, the text and, uh, the topic and you know all so all the other information that we need for the service that weekend. So the text is on everybody's mind and the 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 topic is on everybody's mind throughout the week, and so we have we have a lot of conversations about it, even just around or you know I know even sometimes outside the church it gets brought up just because we're you know talking about things and uh, the image that I kept going back to with this question, uh, just a little bit of a side note is, uh, church is kind of like a soup line, where. Uh, this this place is offering you free free soup, free hot soup, and we are beggars. We're like homeless people, and we're told, "Hey, the soup is going to be here at this place at this time. Come and get it. Come and receive the gifts that God is is giving, or the gifts that we're giving uh, to you." And it's really it's it's your choice whether or not you go get the soup or not. Um, so it's not so much. That hey, do I need to go to church to you know be saved, or or if I don't go to church, do I do I still get to go to heaven? It's just like hey, go go get the soup. It's 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 the good stuff. Um, I know that I appreciated your your sermon on Sunday, and uh, and we look forward to that. So I wanted to kind of hunt down this i this idea that these the last five weeks or so they've all dealt with either the end times or with heaven or with how do I get to heaven or do I get to heaven if I do this or don't do this. And that's just on people's mind. And I guess I'm just kind of curious uh, why you guys think that is, uh, Pastor Ben, you, you mentioned a couple possibilities, but I want to spend a little bit of time. Why why so many questions about heaven? And it just seems like every single one has been about heaven mm-hmm. or hell or eternal destination. So why do you think people are thinking about that and asking about it?
0: Yeah, I think there's just because there's so much talk about death going yeah. around. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the our current situation with the coronavirus the first thing people bring up is, oh, there's been over two hundred ten thousand deaths, mm. uh, and so I mean, obviously, like that's really too much for our mind to even really grasp. Sure. And so, when we're talking about death this much, obviously, we want to know what happens after we go on and mm. and and pass away. And so, I, I believe that's that's really one and really just the doom and gloom of our current situation. Mm. Like it's it's hard not to think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just it seems around every single corner that's what people are talking about and it's just doom and death. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, we want to know and we want to we want to see exactly where we're going and what what's in store. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. There's there's definitely these reflective moments in our lives whether you go to a funeral or you're in high school and maybe one of your friends dies, which of course is always tragic when a high schooler or someone in middle school or elementary dies and it, it forces you to think about your, your mortality. Same thing is, you know, we live near Chicago and if you watch the local Chicago stations, there's always like the Chicago death count, like the homicide count, which is just crazy that that's a thing. Mm. But like every day it clicks up like five or 10 people who have been killed in Chicago. But right now everyone in the entire United States, no matter how rural or disconnected they are from something like a Chicago reality they're watching the COVID-19 death rate go up. And it forces all of us to have these conversations and these thoughts all of the time that we don't normally have. And when you're ha- when you're thinking about death all of the time, you are wondering what's next. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering what's next for you. And that's where it really gets critical. So as an example, even though I think it's kind of died down now, when, when this first happened and we went on to sharing our services online. That first week we had like 7 or 800 people. Now, to give context, that's not a lot if you're at a massive church and you average 5,000 on a weekend or something like that. But for us, we were averaging like 330 or something like that. And to have our services more than double in a weekend is pretty crazy, especially considering that that's devices. It's not talking about the amount of people watching on a singular device which most churches use a multiplier of like 1.7 or 2.3 or something of that nature. So if you, even if you use that multiplier and just say something relatively moderate, like 1400 people were online watching, well, what drove them? It wasn't like we did anything more special than the next church. What drove Mm. them to church was they were like, what if this kills everyone
0: panicking? Yeah. (laughs) If this
2: kills everybody, I better get connected back to Jesus now Uh, Because I don't know what's next and I don't know where I'm going. Which, if you're living in a space where you don't know where you're going, I think the wise thing would be to get connected or get reconnected as soon as possible and don't don't put it off. Mm -hmm. So stay connected. But what was interesting, even more than that, was as time would go by, I watched the numbers very closely as far as our people watching our stuff. And they were incremental, like every time we went further into this conversation and this reality, that there would be like a dip, Mm. like a dip, like people were less, less concerned. So we still don't have that initial like panic of the whole thing, but we still have some concern and people are still wondering. And I imagine even more so for those in the older generation who are statistically more than like, more likely to not do well with this. I think there's something right now, like a five or 6% death death rate, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's, that's a pretty scary, scary Mm -hmm. scenario. So I, I think that's what it is. It's just on the forefront of people's minds. And honestly, it should always be on the forefront of our minds because we are fragile and I could drive home tonight and try to use the roundabout fail and get hit. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't fail. But let's say a semi poles in there and they don't know what they're doing. I mean, the reality is we are incredibly fragile. We are one car accident away. We're one blood clot away. We're one you know one crazy person away from our lives ending this chapter and going to the next chapter. So it's I think that's what is just driving people is what does the next chapter look like? Am I ready for the next chapter?
1: Yeah, and I think it also reveals how how we think about how people think about heaven and how we think about our life on earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what it it reveals that we've been formed more by shows like the good place and, you know, cartoons where when somebody dies, they go to this like cloudy, you know, perfect, whatever place Mm. in the sky. And it, it, I think that, that this season of confronting death during the pandemic has revealed that that's how a lot of people think about heaven, and so a lot of these questions I think are exposing that even even our people here at this church, um, and in our community, are really formed by that. and And I think what people are feeling is, I'm trying my best here. I'm trying my best, and I keep failing. And man, I just really hope I can still, you know, quote unquote, make it mm-hmm. into heaven. Um, I think it reveals a little bit of a confusion about the nature of heaven and what actually happens when we go there, which, again, we talked about this several weeks ago. We talked about it in detail. So I do encourage you to go back and and listen to that. I think it was three weeks ago that we did that episode. Um, So I encourage you to go back and and listen to that episode about heaven and hell. But what what it came down to is that biblically, the picture of heaven that we get is not detailed i mean we just simply don't really know what it's going to be like and that's what we discussed in that episode is that a lot of this like you know some of the goofy cartoon images that we have of like playing harp in the clouds and that kind of stuff that's that's not from scripture and what scripture actually reveals to us is that god gives us eternal life now and we get to enter into this relationship with him currently and where we get in Ephesians one says that we get all of the spiritual blessings in the heavens that we, that God actually imparts into us by the Holy spirit, all the blessings that we get later. So we have it now. Um, the, what we don't have is we don't have the physical blessings. We don't actually have the new recreated, uh, I guess it's not technically a new body. It's a recreated body. Um, we, we don't get, um, we're still sick, we still die, mm-hmm. but we get all the spiritual blessings. So all the peace and uh, patience and all the goodness that God um, has for us, we can experience that fully now. And so for me, I actually, I, when I sat down to look at some of the questions that we had um, and figure out what we we're going to do this week, I actually got a little frustrated because I was just like, people, like you are so concerned about what's going to happen after you die But like God is giving this to you now. This is Mm -hmm. a gift for us now, and and that's been like a theme, uh, the last couple months for me that I keep. Like I feel like I keep having to say that. I feel like I keep having to communicate that. Um, So my encouragement to you guys is like, hey, eternal life is now. You are living your eternal life today. It doesn't start after you die.
0: That's a hard concept to grasp, though, (laughs) and even harder concept to remember. I remember speaking to actually one of our college students about that, and. Uh, you know, we're just having the conversation of, you know, like, well, like, why do we really, like, what's the point of going out and doing mission work? And, you know, if, you know, if people never hear the word or whatever, and I'm like, well, that, that would be an accurate way to think if we didn't believe eternal life starts now. Right. and. Uh, it's just – it, and it was – I could tell that she heard it, but it was hard for her just to internalize yeah, that. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, we do deal with all these other things. Mm-hmm. We do deal with depression. We do we do deal with anxiety. We do feel loss and mm-hmm. sorrow, and so that hurts. And so it's hard to focus on, oh, well, you know, look at all this stuff I do have when it mm-hmm. just seems like abu- – when it just seems so abundant and clear that look at all this stuff that you have to go through and deal with. Yeah. And all the toils that you have to go through, and so, um, yeah, that's like, that's very easy to say, mm. and it's very easy to um, to just speak, but I don't. It, it's yeah. very hard to remember, and it's very hard to yeah. And keep. that's that,
1: that that's the struggle, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, and that's that's actually in in the Lutheran tradition. Martin Luther called it the uh, the German word was was Anfängtungen, the the struggle that we have. Um, in our life, so that that's the battle of faith that happens within us. You know, mm-hmm. is this constant? Like, we're we're always back and forth. We're wrestling with our sinful nature that tells us that we need to, we need to fear death, and we need. You know, it, it's the things that, you know, we, that's the struggle that happens within us. Is that we have these these harms that come to us through sickness and through pain and toil and struggle. And we have to like wrestle, we have to like continue on in faith um, and that's part of that. I mean, that, that's the Christian life. That's how the Christian life is worked out is saying, I'm going to trust in what God has said about me, that in the midst of this painful situation, I, I'm trusting in God that I do have peace. I'm trusting in God. So that's, that's how we kind of grasp on with our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what gives us the hope to, to persevere, you know, through those things. Um so that's the nature of the Christian life is I know what it should be and I know that it's not. And so we're always going back and forth with that. Yeah. Well good. Well thanks guys for going on a little little tangent. I'm just I wanted to hear from you guys. You guys are. You guys seem to think a little bit more pastorally than I do. I'm just like, I'm like, hey, quit being stupid. <laughs> that's just I'm how, that's sorry that, that I love people more than you do, uh, Eric. That's um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Um, okay, well, let's jump into this um, this question here. If our sins are forgiven and forgotten, then what will we be judged on? And there's one uh, one statement in there that I want to make sure that we work on before we jump into the question of judgment. And that's this, there's this assumption here in this question that our sins are forgiven and forgotten. And I I thought that was an interesting phrase that somebody asked it that way. So I guess I just want to get from you guys. I want us to think a little bit about this. Are in fact our sins forgiven and forgotten? Is that, is like an accurate way of describing how God forgives us?
2: Well, I think not to jump too far ahead. So I don't want to unintentionally wander five steps into this thing. But we are we are told in Scripture that there will be a judgment. So I think the big question here is, what will that what will that entail? What will the conversation be? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's pretty clear. Uh, like in 2 Corinthians five ten, it says, "For we must all." So like I said, we as Lutherans we're going to take that the most simple way. All means all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be. Um, recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think just to answer your question, if we just use scripture, the answer would be you're forgiven. But apparently there obviously is an awareness of the bad you have done too. Mm -hmm. And so we see that. And once again, if we keep going, if we go into Romans 14, 10 through 12, we see uh, in, in verse 10, it says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So once again, all means all. Mm-hmm. We will all stand. And then each each one of us will give account of himself to God. So we'll walk through our life through that. Uh, so we, we see this over and over and over and over and over again. And and I think the, the big question is what happens after that is probably more, or what does that accomplish and we can get into that in a second. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I see that idea of our sins are forgiven, but we don't forget. I guess that's like with our kids, we forgive our kids, but we are aware of kind of their natural proclivities. And we will use that as a teaching lesson later on, or as a way to, Hey, Hey, this is what you did last time. This is how it worked out. And so there's that idea of a judgment, the judge of bringing stuff up and, I think we get caught up in the final outcome, which is more of that uh, book of life type stuff.
0: Yeah, we look at, we think of this judgment as what, like this long line of people who go before us. And again, it's just a cartoon Mm -hmm. thing in our mind. Really, like the Simpsons comes to mind. Mm. Um, And so like we think of this long line Uh, uh, people being judged before us and eventually we will be judged and then you know people this you know angel pulling out this ancient scroll something that looks like an ancient scroll Mm -hmm. and saying well on September 23rd you committed your very first sin Mm -hmm. and you know just like listing off all that Um, (sighs) and I I don't I mean obviously I don't think that's how it's going to be I Mm -hmm. really think it's just going to be more of God revealing himself fully Mm -hmm. to us. And then us being like, Oh, that's perfection. Yeah. And that's what uh, our life was supposed to be. And my life did not reflect that. Mm -hmm. And so God is, is judging us. And, uh, um, but we have the realization of how bad we messed up. Mm -hmm. And so, but that, but then of course, Jesus steps in and says, no, or mine. That's our at least like that. That's how I've always seen, and that's kind of how, as I read, that's kind of what I see. Mm-hmm. Jumping ahead to the judgment
1: thing, that that is jumping ahead a little bit, but that's okay. You're right that we definitely have some weird ideas about what it actually means to be judged, because um, I think that our judicial system operates in such a way that it just it, it informs how we think about judgment, mm-hmm. and also how we think about sin. Uh, Because when you're, when you break a law, you are brought before a judge and, and essentially what that judge does, not, not entirely, but the way that it's conceived in our mind is that the judge kind of decides if you've done that thing or not, or if you should be punished for that thing or not, is maybe a better way to say that. The jury decides if you've done it or not. The judge decides what kind of punishment you get. Um, But you're, but you are charged with. And you are punished for specific, like specific things that you've done, you know, are the uh, criminal code that we have in our country is just ridiculously detailed about like if you, you know, if you harm somebody with this, with a vehicle instead of a baseball bat, it's a different kind of crime. Mm -hmm. And if you do it under the influence of alcohol, that's different if you did it in the middle of the night and they, you know, the person was wearing... You know, all black clothes, and you couldn't see them, right? It's like it's like a different kind. It's so specific. I think that that's how we think about judgment. Um, in our, uh, at least in our world, is we think we think about it in terms of you've committed this one particular sin, so you're going to be judged, whether or not that you did that sin or not. So I think that you're right. Um, but one of the passages that that I thought of when I um, was thinking about these questions. Um what's from isaiah forty three and um, it's verse twenty five and this is what this is what God says i I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins that's the passage that I thought of when i when I was thinking about this that in I think in a sense God does forgive and forget i think in a sense he does um, not so much in that he actually doesn't remember because of course God knows everything but I think it has to do with this passage seems to be saying um, and seems to be communicating to us that God is a God who is willing to behave as if you didn't do the thing that seems to be what that says to me that I'm I forgive you and he says I forgive you for my own sake it's for my sake that I forgive you not for you It's not to be, it's not just because, you know, you, it was an honest mistake and you didn't, you know, you weren't thinking clearly. No, no, no. God says, I forgive you for my sake. It's because of who he is that he forgives us. Um, So I think that this like forgive, forgiven and forgotten is, um, I don't really know what to think about it. (laughs) But um, I thought it was an interesting phrase. But I do think that God does operate in such a way that he, he forgives in such a way that he does he, he essentially acts as if it doesn't happen. That's how he responds to us, um, which I think is really good news, by the way. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty good. So let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this next, this next thing. The question is then, what will I be judged on? Um, if I am forgiven, then what will I be judged on? So let's talk about that. So at the end of, of the world, at the end of all things, Jesus comes back in victory. And he, it is a time for the judgment. He brings, you know, everyone's resurrected from the dead. He brings everyone before the judgment seat and he casts his judgment down onto the world. Um, What is it that we are judged on? Just in general, like how is God, how does God judge the world and what is he judging the world on?
0: Well, if it's just general, then he's judging us based on did you accept me or did you you accept or deny Hmm. me? Did you answer the call or did you blue dot ghost? (laughs) Um, Now, as for us, uh, I I don't I don't really think that we're like for and when I say us, I mean, Christians, I mean, our fellow believers, the body of Christ. Uh, It's not going to be really judgment. It's more going to be well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. We see that in Matthew 25, um, where, you know, it's talking about the Or it's talking about the talents and Mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. the master gave his servants such and such and how those servants did respond to those gifts and how the servants did respond and um, say yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be more of the reward of well done for uh, for, uh, the body of believers. Now, for just a general generalization, it's going to be more of, like I said, did you answer the call? Mm-hmm. Um, was Jesus in your life? Um, did you accept my son, this, this ultimate gift that I made available, that I gave to you?
1: That's really good because I think what we hear, we, and we hear this in the Old Testament. God does not delight in the death of anybody. So it's not like, you know, we talk about people have this weird idea that there's like two, we have like two different kinds of God. Mm-hmm. We have the angry Old Testament God, and then we have mm-hmm. the Jesus God. And uh, we're told in the Old Testament, which, by the way, that's not true, guys. Same God. It's the same God. <laughs> um, in fact, in Hebrews 1, cha- or chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Um, so whatever Jesus does, God does. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the idea, is that God acts exactly the way that Jesus acts, And Jesus acts exactly the way that God acts. So he is the exact representation of God. Uh, But in the old Testament, we're told that God does not delight in the death of, of the wicked. Like it's not like it brings God joy to judge. And I think that that's how we, again, how the kind of how we think about um, judgment and how we think about punishment. Cause you, you, I don't know if you guys like the crime shows like law and order and that kind of stuff, but I grew up watching those things and you're, like when they when they catch the bad guy, you're just like yeah yeah you know you're like glad when the bad guy gets what he deserves. You're glad. I, I like um true crime podcasts. I listen mm-hmm. to a couple of true crime podcasts, and it always feels really rewarding when they catch the bad. Like when you they finally like talk through how they caught the bad guy, how they caught the serial killer. Yeah, it's because um, justice. We like we yeah, that's right. like
0: seeing justice.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we really we revel in the joy of bad people getting bad consequences. Mm-hmm. We like that. Um, but it doesn't seem that God's that way. He does not delight in the death of the wicked.
0: Oh, well, he can't. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> I mean, literally, because that would mean all of us would yeah, that's exactly face right. that fate. Yeah, and so I think that I think that you're right, Tim, that it really has a lot less to do with...
0: You think I'm right or you know I'm right? I know, I know you're <laughs> right.
1: You are right, Tim, that really God's judgment is not so much God saying, "Okay everybody, we're all going to get together and for those of you who are really bad, I'm going to punish you and, and you're going to again, you know, you're going to go to hell and you're going to have be eternally tormented by, you know, a little little red man with a pitchfork mm. because you were bad." You know, that's not what he does. He he calls together everybody and he says there are there are those of you who are in Christ. There are those of you who are in Christ. And you get to be with me forever. And those of you who have separated yourselves from me, you you get to be separated from me. And that's you know that and we've talked about that a lot before. So scripture tells us that God's judgment is not actually punishment, mm-hmm. but his judgment is actually mercy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, he he delights in people being saved even wicked people being saved mm. you know that's why you know we you know that all of these all passages that you you know we've talked about in the last several weeks that he has given his gifts especially specifically his gift of salvation to the entire world and he's offering he's offering the soup line you can come in and get soup or you can freeze out in the cold you know that's mm. your choice you can go you know you can go die of exposure laying on a bench or you can come in and get hot soup yeah, and um, the
0: way God works is super counterintuitive to the way our justice system, time, yeah, is. You know, when 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 we think about, and I've been reading in Matthew quite a bit lately, and so like when we look at Jesus telling this parable of the people working in the field and mm-hmm. them all getting the same result at mm-hmm. the end, them mm-hmm. all getting the same pay at the end. Um, I mean, you could clearly be a rapist, murderer, like just uh, what, what we would think as just the worst, the worst of, the of the worst, worst yeah. And uh, still get into heaven? Why? Mm-hmm. Because you accepted Jesus into right. your heart, yeah. And yeah, and um, not only accepted Jesus, but you confessed and mm-hmm. all that yeah. stuff. And so, it's that's very much. Counterintuitive until, so, like, um, my dad always just tell me, you know, Tim, when you get to heaven, there's going to be some people that you did not think were yeah. going to make it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the, but there's also going to be people that you thought were going to make it and aren't going to be there. We and do. so, that's right, it's, it's very, extremely counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive,
1: yeah. And I was actually that that well, that reminds me, one of the podcasts that I do listen to, the True Crime podcast, they were talking, I can't remember who they were talking about, some serial killer, some horrible, horrible man. Um, who, you know, killed dozens of people or whatever. And he, he was in jail and he came to faith in prison. And one of the guys in, on this podcast, th- this guy does not like religion very much, mm-hmm. but he but he said, he actually said, I hate this about Christianity, that people just act like it's a get out of jail free card, that they can just do whatever they want and then they can, you know, whatever. Uh, they can have this this moment, and then suddenly they, you know, they they don't have to like pay for their for their crimes. In one sense, that's not really how it works, right? In mm-hmm. one sense, you don't get liberty to go do whatever you want. But in another sense, that is how it works. That mm. if you have faith, if you come to faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done. You know yeah. it. And it is so counterintuitive because that,
0: that's even hard to say out loud. I know, cause it, right? Because it feels just so like I feel wrong. Yeah, saying and it sounds wrong yeah. saying that just because of the way that I think and the way that you know I want things to be run. Mm-hmm. But like it's real. It's it boils down to sin, and yeah. it boils down to um, yes, we're all born into sin. And like I, the way I describe sin to my students is um, it's an archery term. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you miss the mark by literally a centimeter or if you just can turn around and completely shoot the other way. Mm -hmm. Um, You still miss the mark. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what God does is, like, well, you miss the mark, but um, here's my grace, here's the mercy that I'm going to give, bestow upon you. Uh, And so, yeah, it's, it's hard because when you miss the mark by just a little bit. Versus the yeah. person who turns around and just completely shoots the other yeah. way and shoots someone's eye out, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it's it's hard to say. Oh yeah, like they they deserve this. Ooh. It's it's hard. It's right. it's really hard to say that, man. Like they yeah, like they they deserve to yeah. be in paradise.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not so much that they deserve it, but it's that God has decided that they get as much of a chance as you do. Mm-hmm. That that they get the the same reward that you do for having faith in him. Yeah. So and it's
0: just like the parable of the people working in the field. If right. I, if I started working at 9am work, 9am to 7pm, you'd be p.m. so mad. I'd be so mad if some, some person came up at six 45 and then did the, mm-hmm. got the same, of work. Yeah. same amount of uh, pay that I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, just like you mentioned, it is, it is kind of hard to say, like it's hard to talk about that. That's how God operates. But scripture is just so clear about that, that that is how he is. And, and actually one of the things, one of the passages that I thought about was is a very famous passage um, in the Gospel of John. And I'm just going to read it because it, it highlights exactly what we're talking about here. Um, and it's from John chapter 8, and it's the woman caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. And so this is what it says. Um, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Mm. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again yeah. and so here's this image again Jesus is the exact representation of God and so here's this image where these people had every single right to st- in fact it's commanded in scripture that she be stoned and Jesus's therefore God's primary mode of operation is not to punish but actually to offer forgiveness mm. completely undeserved she was not you know we have no indication that she was repentant beforehand she was you know we don't know he just forgave her Yeah. Um, and then sent her on her way with go and sin no more. Like he transformed her life. Um, oh, you know, if she put her faith
0: in him, right. Um, uh, he transformed her life. Ben, and, you, you, preached on this, what, like a year ago and you said something, uh, and I don't want to misquote you. So I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, cause when you said that Jesus started writing in the, uh, in the dirt, what did, what did you say? Like he was like, cause we, it doesn't say exactly what he was writing, yeah, yeah. but Ben said something. I was like, Oh man, that, that's good. And I've never thought about that before, but you said he was writing. Uh,
2: I've taught on that passage like 20 times. Of course.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> One time I think I said that he was drawing a picture of a dachshund.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, no, the, uh,
2: no. What was going on is in that day before a judge would make their judgment, they would, they would write down their judgment. So they could perfectly, perfectly articulate what the judgment was, Mm. and so I don't know if that's what you were shooting for, but so, you know, he's he's perfectly parsing it exactly how you know he's writing it, and I can't remember it's it's been a while, so like I said, it's it's hard. I, I I I
0: think you said that he was writing down there. Um, sins and their shortcoming, like in everything that they had done wrong. And I remember like hearing that and I was like, oh, yep. That would make me clear out of there Mm -hmm. real fast. (laughs) Um, And so I don't, I don't, um, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm a thousand percent sure it was you. And I I don't remember how long it probably was,
2: was, but you got to remember it. I only have so much space in my mind.
0: Of course, and I'm of teaching course. week no. in and week out. No. But no, I, and I'm not. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that you did say that, and it did speak to me mm-hmm. that day. So yeah. the spirit was working. Yeah.
2: Now that I think back, now that I think back, um, yeah. There's because there's two instances when he writes on the ground, mm-hmm. and so I think he says something like, "Who's ever without the first? Who's who's ever thought sin cast the first stone?" And then he starts sits down and writing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they're gone. Uh, mm. Because it would be the judge writing the judgment right. on those
0: on those who were, who
2: were to stay right? Yeah, right, and were bold enough to to sit in that space. So yeah, yeah I mean the likelihood of me saying that is very likely.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when you guys ask me what I taught on the previous week,
1: uh, <laughs> I, right. I'm
2: like I go into a small panic because I'm like ah I'm trying <laughs> to remember exactly <laughs> yeah. what I said. That's yeah,
1: yeah. But anyway, like that one way or another, that just shows how God operates in the world is that he operates his, his judgment is mercy like that. Like that's how he decides is mercy. Um, and we do know that there are going to be some who don't receive it, who just say, I don't want that. Um, I don't want the mercy. I, you know, and and that's how C.S. Lewis has a really good uh, called the great divorce, a good book called the great divorce where he explores, he kind of uses his imagination to practice what it might be like, um, and and the way that he says it is that the gates of hell are locked from the inside mm. because god's mercy is unending. I mean, he just he just opens himself up and is willing to forgive. Um and then we harden our hearts. We we reject what he's done for us. Um and so really god's judgment is mercy. And when in another way that um we we look at it is from revelation where we have this image of Jesus as a slaughtered lamb that he is the lamb who was sacrificed on behalf of us and there's lots of language of that in romans and in other places in the new testament um and so Jesus is the one when when god looks at us he sees Jesus the pure one he sees the one who has not sinned and that's what he decides about us is that we did not sin um yeah so i think that's i think that's very moving to think about, to think about God's, God's judgment is not a scary thing to me uh, because of what scripture has said about God and his judgment. You guys are going
2: over the kind of the different layers. The first layer, of course, is the book of life. Are you in the book of life? Or are you not in the book of life? So that's our, our our first stop in this conversation.
1: What is the book of life, Pastor Ben?
2: The book of life is where our names are written if we are in Christ Jesus. So have we rejected Christ? We rejected our opportunity to be in there, and if we have not, then we uh, are part of God's family because of our relationship with Him. So the book, of, book of life.
1: So let's let's spend a little bit of time then talking, maybe about what we did this weekend. If when God looks at me, He sees Jesus. If God has this, the way that He approaches the world is is through mercy, that He doesn't want the death of any wicked person. Why does He still? Uh, why 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 should I go to worship? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I pray? Why should I serve and love the people around me? Why should I be a good husband? Like, if if I know that God is forgiving, then why don't I just not do all these things that that pastors tell me I should do? Yeah, it's all
2: it's all opportunity, right? So we talked about on Sunday. It's all about op- being able to go to church is is having our hands wide open to receive what God has to offer. So actually, in 1 Corinthians, we have a great uh, a great picture of that. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it says, and this is Paul writing to us today and to the uh, Church of Corinth back in the day, According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, another building is on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is built which is Jesus Christ. So there's our connection to the book of life. It's all about Jesus. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. So it's the building on top of what God has already done, what Mm. Jesus has already done. Mm. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now, if you go through that list of stuff, it says gold, silver, precious stones, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, if you put fire on those six items, half of them would remain. So that's the idea. It goes on and says, if any man's work, which is built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved mm. yet. So as through fire. So we see the foundation, right? That's the book of life. Part one that we talked about. That's that first step. Jesus Christ. Am I in relationship with Jesus Christ? Then we get to receive the opportunity to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's be t- taking on, uh, taking on the opportunity to do what Jesus invites us into, which is come follow me, right? The first part the book of life is who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Part two, our discipleship process is come follow me. And we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And as we do, we build on that foundation. We build on that foundation. That's, that's things like gold, silver, and precious stones. And then when the fire comes, then we have some extra remaining on top. And so we see throughout Scripture that there's actually rewards in heaven. And so we have things like that. So actually, in addition to that, we also see degrees of reward in heaven, and also Jesus alludes to the fact that there's degrees of, of punishment in hell. And so we see we see both regards. So when we get to things like the judgment of of Christ, it's it's that idea of, okay, book of life, step one, and then account of the opportunities that you have taken advantage of while you lived. And some people will escape, right? Everything we burned up, but they'll still make it in, but the rest will have what remains on top of that. And that's a that's a big thing. So to give you a, a real life, living horrible metaphor I lived through. Uh, when I was in college, I made a deal with the devil, not really the devil. That was my landlord. <laughs> and, and so the deal was this, I was renting his house and it was too much for me and my friends. So if you drop the price X amount of dollars, I'll do some work for you. Cause we had backgrounds in landscaping and construction, things like that. And he said, okay. And we had a kind of a handshake agreement on this, and we had some verbal agreement on what he wanted done. And so we took down some wallpaper, we painted, we patched up holes in the wall, we did all of this work, put down new flooring, took up old carpet, cut down some old dead trees, did the landscaping, just piles of work, piles of work, piles of work, piles of work. And in the end, I was rewarded with this. Uh, A guy came to my house and said, are you Benjamin Anderson, which should have been my first you know, warning flag. (laughs) No one calls me Benjamin besides my mom when I'm in trouble. I was in trouble. And he said, you've been served. So this guy sued me for all of the work that I had done. So I'd worked my tail off for this guy. And then he sued me saying that was all damage to his property. Mm. Mm. So I went to my first court hearing and guess what happened? I told the truth. He did not. He won. So I, in theory, owed this guy thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars, which I did not have. I hardly had seven bucks at the time. And, and so then we went back to round two. So I appealed and this time I I lawyered up. So I got a lawyer uh, that came to help me pro bono, which is a nice perk for somebody who had no money at the time. And so he came to be my, my lawyer. Well, this guy then added more lawsuit onto it to try to maximize his earnings. And but this time I had a lawyer. I had an advocate. And this is the big part of this part, this conversation. So I go back. My advocate dismantles this guy. Mm. And then, so now I'm, I've won, right? I've won the battle. On top of that, this guy, my lawyer, lists off all of the things that I have done on top of being innocent. And the guy that sued me ended up having to pay me mm. for what I had done for him. And when I think about Jesus being our advocate at this, this, this is what, this is what the picture I get and Jesus comes in as the lawyer. I was going to (laughs) lose no matter how much I did, I was going to lose. But when Jesus becomes my lawyer, he fights the battle for me. Mm -hmm. I am deemed innocent. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, he comes back and says, oh yeah. And all that stuff that you did in my power. Yeah. I'm going to give you some rewards Mm -hmm. for that. And so that's my real-life metaphor, and that's how I kind of see that, because we are told that there are rewards in heaven. Now, what do we do with those rewards? Are they self-serving? Do we give them back to Christ? Are they the crowns that we throw at his feet? Well, that's something that I, I don't have to have clarity on and don't have clarity on, and yeah. someday I'll, I'll find out. But we do see this idea of rewards in heaven. So that judgment is your slate is clean, and through Christ's work in your life after that, you did do those things. I, I saw you nurture your faith. And because of that, you nurtured the faith of your family. And your child went on to, And your neighbor became. And so-and-so joined you and joined us in the family. Those are all those eternal legacy things. But we do see that re- reward in heaven and also that reward in hell. And Jesus actually spends the most time talking about that. Um, things like this, when he would say, you have, in John 19, he says, you would, would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. So he's talking about Judas, right? He has the greater sin. So now he's comparing sins. And now when you hear that, you might get weirded out by that mm-hmm. because aren't all sins equal? Yes, all sins do equal damage. They disconnect us from God, right? That's the first that's that first idea of the law mm-hmm. condemns us, but what we do with that condemnation really really matters. But we see here that Jesus says there's a greater, not just does it disconnect you, but there's an addition to that. Uh, that's repeated in, in Luke twenty. So these are all the words of Jesus. Mm. In Luke twenty, forty seven, at the end of it, he says, Because of this, they will be severely punished. So there's a different severity of punishment. In Matthew eleven, twenty-two, he says, I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. So once again we we see this different correlation. So we see we see different layers of reward and different layers of of judgment. Now, what does that look like? I, I can't tell you, and I don't know, and I honestly don't spend a lot of energy, emotional or mental energy, on it. Uh, but I, 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 that's what we see in scripture: is that there seems to be rewards in heaven, rewards on earth. But the big thing that we talked about before is the the key component is the book of life, and then and then non. Mm -hmm. non uh people who are not a part of the book of life and and that's after that you know it kind of shakes out how god allows it to shake out but obviously we want to end up in the book of life but secondarily what we want to do is we want to build on that foundation to not only stay connected but to do something special Mm -hmm. do something important while we have the opportunity while we live
1: yeah yeah wow yeah that's comforting and inspiring Mm -hmm. um to know and I and I like the last part of that where it says um, the last part of that First Corinthians passage where it says even if the man even if a man builds his house with hay even if you you know you have your faith in Jesus but you're a really crappy Christian <laughs> um, you still have the foundation your life is still saved um, even though you're gonna you're gonna go through some purification you're gonna have to go through some fire. Um, And that's a pure, that's not a, that's not a punishment language. That's purification language. So it's a refining. uh, Refining. Yeah. So you're going to be refined, um, but your life is still saved. Um, That's comforting, but then it's inspiring uh, to, um, to build your house with precious, precious metals and jewels um, on the foundation that you already have, that your foundation is secure. And then um, we get the freedom and uh, the joy of building Building a beautiful house um, with our love for God and love for neighbor. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Appreciate it. No problem. And thank you, Tim.
0: You're very, very, very
1: welcome. Use <laughs> <Ease> your words. <laughs> uh, and thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys. Join us next week for our last episode of Candid Conversations. Um, then we're going to take one week off. And then we're going to be moving into an Advent
0: meditation uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. So we have can some I, good... Can I defend myself really quickly? What do you mean? Yeah. I When you said, thank you, Tim, for whatever reason, my mind went back to me working at Chick-fil-A. And so I <laughs> straight said, up almost said, said my point pleasure. Point. <laughs> I almost said my pleasure. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that
2: just working at Chick-fil-A probably builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you're, building, you're building Chick-fil-A a Chick-fil-A restaurant
0: yes. on, your, on your foundation. Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah. And all are welcome. <laughs> (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Uh, well thank you guys so much for listening appreciate you Uh, have a great weekend and we'll see you later